Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, the Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. During our conversation, we fielded pressing questions from you, the reader. Wes, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, it feels like it's been forever. It's really only been about a week. Um, how you been? You staying sane? Staying sane? Yeah, you know, man, I'm just uh, working as much as I can, trying to keep busy, you know, try to find some life things to, to do and uh, taking it one bottle of wine at a time. <laughs> taking it one bottle of wine at a time. I think that should be our catchphrase for this quarantine. <laughs> uh, for me, it would be hard seltzers. For you, it could be wine. Um, but, uh, you know, you got you to gotta find – you got to find your way to get through it. I was talking to someone the other day, like, what have you been up to? And I'm like, well, I've been working and I've been playing beer pong with my roommate. I feel like I sound like I'm a 20 or 21 year old right now, uh, yeah. fresh out of the frat. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get like that in quarantine. We're all living that frat bachelor life right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so today is going to be a mailbag podcast. And I know you, you enjoy these. I enjoy these as well. Um, I've taken a couple weeks off from the mailbags because understandably I was starting to get the same questions over and over, but taking a couple weeks off, we got, we got new fresh questions. And so let's just jump right into it. Um, the first question comes from warriors underscore Mac rumors have popped up about a potential three team trade between Philly, Toronto and golden state that would land Ben Simmons in the Bay and Kyle Lowry in Philadelphia. Any truth to these rumors? And what would it take to acquire Ben Simmons? Now, for those who aren't aware of this rumor, I believe it popped up uh, yesterday. It popped up yesterday, and it was uh, from someone named Rashad Rashad Phillips, who I wasn't familiar with. I guess he has a podcast with uh, Kendrick Perkins. But he he basically tweeted that, you know, Toronto is going to try to trade Lowry and company to Philly. Ben Simmons is going to go to Golden State, and the Raptors will try to move up the board and draft Lamelo Ball. Um, this sounds what? like a lot of propaganda. There's no way that the, the three teams would be in this type of discussion this early in the process. So let, let's just say that right away. This is there's no this isn't really based in any fact or reality. It sounds like this guy's pumping up Lamelo Ball and and, and just trying trying to build up some hype for him. Yeah, it was like two guys, and I don't know what it is, but we're talking like two guys who nobody's ever heard of, and Kendrick Perkins. So it's not exactly Woj we're talking about here, you know what I mean? And I and one of the guys works for the NBL. Lamella Ball, of course, played last season in the NBL. Seems like a little bit of just trying to pump up your guy. Um, and you're right, like this is way early in the process to be talking about that sort of swap. And I mean, just so that I'm aware, because. I saw this kind of in a cursory way. I didn't really like click any links or listen to any podcast or anything like that. Why in the world would Philadelphia do this? Like, in what what else are they getting in addition to Kyle Lowry for Ben Simmons? I know that Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid thing isn't a perfect fit. But if they're going to break it up, and I like Kyle Kyle Lowry. No offense to Kyle Lowry, but they're not going to do it for him. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions here. Like, who's Golden State giving up um, for Ben Simmons? Right. I okay, guess like the idea would be. I, I get, yeah, I guess it would be a top pick and Andrew Wiggins goes or something like that. I just look, man, I don't see it. Like Ben Simmons is, a, is, is got superstar potential. I mean, think of whatever you want about his jump shot, the fit with Joel Embiid. I mean, the guy still has a lot of value around the league. 
And I, I think he has more value than a, a first-round pick in a weak draft. And Kyle Lowry, who, again, nice, but not exactly a, a franchise cornerstone at his age at this point. And I think he's one of those guys, honestly, who has just way more value to Toronto than he does anywhere else in the league, where you could argue the exact opposite for Ben Simmons, right? Just because his funky fit with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons arguably has more value for every other team other than Philadelphia, if you follow what I'm saying here. And so I, I, I don't understand where the rumor comes from. If we want to talk about the hypothetical part of it, it's kind of, that we can have some fun with that. I mean, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, that partnership could break up. I don't see Toronto moving on from Kyle, from Kyle Lowry unless it's a Ben Simmons type of get. I also don't love the Ben Simmons-Pascal Siakam fit necessarily. But um, as far as Philadelphia goes, if they want to break that up, what would it take for Golden State to get involved in that? I still don't know that Golden State just by themselves has enough to acquire Ben Simmons, regardless of getting a third team involved, because they've got the pick from Minnesota. Yes, they've got a top-five pick coming up. They've, and they've got a big salary in Andrew Wiggins, but – we just saw these these rumors from I think it was a Bleacher Report article that about how like the Warriors might be getting in on the Giannis thing and what their offer would be was it would be like three first round picks over the next two years and Andrew Wiggins and I'm like that doesn't even get you in the ballpark of Giannis I and know, honestly that was my it, does, as well. um, it doesn't even get you in the ballpark of Ben Simmons. You need to throw like in Clay and or Draymond as well. <laughs> and maybe that like maybe the maybe one of those guys gets you in the ballpark for Ben Simmons right especially like Draymond not for Philadelphia, but Clay, like Clay Thompson would obviously be a perfect fit with Joel Embiid. Um, so I would see maybe Philadelphia making a, a move like that if it was just with that and a bunch of first-round picks and stuff like that. But, man, I don't I, I don't know where the – like the Warriors have some nice draft pieces, mainly in the form, ironically enough, of draft picks. But I don't really see them having salary that makes a big swing like that possible. And everybody, although Andrew Wiggins' thing matches – the Andrew Wiggins is still a bad salary. I mean, as encouraging he, as he was in a handful of games, he's still making $27 million a year. Like, that's you need to use draft picks to get off of that, not, not let alone build on top of him to get a superstar for him. So I don't think the Warriors are even close to getting any of these guys. No, I, I, I've heard we've heard Ben Simmons' name come up several times in the past year. And every time, I just it just feels a little ridiculous because if, if, of all the superstar caliber guys out there in the league, to me, he makes some of the least sense because he, he we all know that he sees himself as a point guard. If he's not playing point guard, he's going to have real issues wherever he is, uh, temperamentally, locker room-wise. Um, and, and, then why, and then why is a yeah. point guard when he's playing with Steph Curry? Uh you know, you're going to have some of the same problems you had with D'Angelo Russell. So, you know, I think he could play small forward. You know, I think he could do that. He has the size. He has all that. But I don't think he wants to. And culturally, I don't think he's a fit with the Warriors. This is a guy who is infamous for having no personality, for, you know, being kind of unlikable in the locker room. I'm not sure the Warriors want to mortgage their future on a guy like that. As, as incredible and as gifted as he is, there are other guys who make more sense. And you're right. He could play small forward, but now what are you doing? Like, why would you trade all that stuff to play a guy out of position? If we know the Warriors want to do – they don't like playing guys out of position. Anthony they find Williams the right position. better fit on this team right now than Ben Simmons. Now, is he as good of a player as Ben Simmons? No, but fit matters. 
and uh, I think they're pretty happy with their roster construction uh, at the moment. And the other thing, too, is if you're going to do all of this to get Ben Simmons, then why not just take LaMelo Ball? Like, all these issues that you just talked about with Ben Simmons, if you're looking for some sort of genius-level ball handler with Lane. Or Halliburton, for that matter, your guy. Yeah, yeah, my guy's Halliburton. Like, take one of those guys at the top of the draft who is significantly cheaper, younger, not to mention, not that Ben Simmons is old, I don't think that's a factor with him, but significantly cheaper on a rookie-scale contract who under team control. Like, and, and you don't have to get rid of all the picks, and you get to keep Wiggins if, if, if they like him, which they do. So like that, it just doesn't even make sense for Golden State, really. If you're again, if you're gonna if you're gonna take Ben Simmons just to play him out of position, then just take Lamelo Ball. Exactly. So you know, just one, one another one of those rumors that probably doesn't carry much weight at all. Uh, the next question is from at the Canyon Race. What would be the scenario under which the Warriors would consider trading Draymond Green, and what kind of market for him do you think there would be from other teams? Now, this to me is a really interesting question. Um, you know, we've we've talked about Draymond trade scenarios before. Uh, you know, especially before he he signed his extension. Um, but looking at the Warriors' future and looking at you know the major decisions they're going to have to make in the next couple of years, they they're going to probably have to look seriously at at whether or not they're going to let or want. Draymond to finish out that massive contract. Um, you know, he obviously didn't play very well last season. Uh, I'm not going to put too much weight on that, uh, given the fact that he didn't have the best players around him. He wasn't playing up to the normal amount of stakes that he's used to. He didn't, uh, you know, he, he had a, he had to adjust to a new supporting cast and was dealing with some physical ailments. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold that too much against him, but I am seriously wondering if this is a guy who can continue to be, you know, a driving force behind a championship caliber team and whether or not he really warrants that contract. Yeah. Next year is going to be pivotal for Draymond, isn't it? Because look, the regular season is going to be the regular season. I don't expect though those three guys, when we're talking about Steph, Clay and Draymond to play a ton of minutes during the regular season, they have now become the elder statesmen on the team, right? They're the guys that are older than 30, you don't have the Iguodala's and Livingston's. Those guys are being replaced by guys who are 22 to 27 years old, basically. Um, I, I expect those guys, the bench, I expect the Warriors bench to run pretty deep next year, probably 11, 12 guys a game. And you're playing probably Steph, Clay, and Draymond about 30 minutes a game, much closer to 30 than 36 minutes per game, right? Because you want to keep those bodies fresh for the playoffs. And Draymond always, you know, fancies himself a 16-game player, right? And it'll depend – like, let's not forget, against the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals a year ago, he was the best player on the floor. And so I, I, if, if he's capable of that still next season, I think the Warriors will be comfortable with that. The other part of that, that's, that's, that's the first part. The second part of it is can they find value elsewhere on the roster? Yeah, are you going to be paying Draymond a bunch of money? You are. But if he can show up in the playoffs and if he can be this commutative leader and this locker room guy and this, like, coach on the floor – and the money's worth it, even if the production's not there, right? Because he's making everybody around him better. Uh, and then you've got the whole culture and the, and the, and the uh, organizational equity that comes with him. But if you can go ahead and find value with your Eric Pascals and your Jordan Pools and whoever they pick in the top five here, if you can go find value elsewhere on the roster, then that takes that cap hit that Draymond Green is carrying, and it makes it a little bit less substantial against the cap. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're just talking about percentages against a number here. 
And so if they can still find ways to bolster the team with value contracts, then that's then then you worry a little bit less about that contract, especially because Steph Curry's gonna be the highest paid player in the league and he's still gonna be outperforming his contract. Clay Thompson is gonna be making a bunch of money and he's gonna be outplaying his contract because he didn't get the uh Supermax extension, remember? So mm-hmm. that that helps the Warriors. Uh, Andrew Wiggins makes way too much money. Maybe they flip him. Maybe they do something with that. Or maybe he, you know, gets a little bit closer to where he's worth it. But it's going to be all these other things. This top five pick is really, really important. What they do with the traded player exception, what they do with their mid-level exceptions, uh, what they do with the rest of these draft picks coming up, they all, they're all really, really important in order to basically subsidize Draymond Green's salary. I think Draymond is probably going to finish out his contract with the Warriors. And the biggest reason to me for that is I don't think the market value for him is or will ever be near, you know, what what his contract is. Uh, I don't good think point. that they're going to be able to get a good trade for him. You know, you and I have talked about trade machine scenarios. I know we've gone down that rabbit hole before, and there's just – there's not a lot of situations that make sense. And I think that Draymond Green is a guy who has benefited a lot from the Warriors system, from playing along guys like Steph and Clay. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Draymond. He's a, a legitimate, you know, defensive player of the year caliber guy when he's at his best. I think he's a future Hall of Famer. But if he hadn't fallen into that situation, I think he probably would have had a career more akin to like a P.J. Tucker type, you know, being a really elite, solid role guy who's not, you know, crossing that threshold and being a legitimate multi-time all-star. Um, and I think that most teams in the NBA view him more closer to, you know, a, a P.J. Tucker type than they view him as, you know, a transcendent, you know, player that they need to mortgage their future on. You know, that's that's not – that's not who he is as a trade chip. What team would be willing to, you know, like you said, mortgage their future? Well, it's a team that doesn't care about their future, right? So, like I said, there's two teams that would realistically trade for Draymond. It's the two teams in L.A. That's it. And we already know that Draymond has a relationship with LeBron and his whole agency and that whole thing. And then the Clippers make just a lot of sense. And if Draymond Green wants to go, he's going to go somewhere where he's going to win championships. And he said this on the the All the Smoke podcast. Like, he does think that he could get traded. But if he were to get traded, Bob Myers would say, like, where do you want to go? And, I, look, it's not as simple as that. Like, the Warriors have to get some sort of commensurate trade package in return. But the L.A. teams are the ones that make the most sense. Yeah, it, it, I think you're right. He probably has more value to the Warriors than he does to any other team in the league. He, is sort, he could be just a P.J. Tucker type any any other place. But those are really the only two guys in the league that kind of do what that is. I, it's like P.J. Tucker, Draymond Green, and to a certain extent Paul Millsap, but if, only if he could stay healthy. But So it's not – you're not getting like 20-point-per-game production out of these guys, but they're really unique. They're novel skill sets that are hard to find. So if you're one of these teams that says, well, we need that skill set specifically, and the only way to get that is from is by trading for Draymond Green, then maybe you swing for the fences and you you trade some future sort of assets to go get him. That would be the only scenario where I see it happening. I, I don't see it happening. I still think the Warriors value him in a very major way. They showed yeah, that and they signed him to the extension. Yeah, I don't think he's a guy that they want to ever have to be in a situation where it's just a complete salary dump. That was, it was really tough for 
one in the organization when they when they had to do that with Andre. And those were really specific circumstances that I'm not sure will be replicated. Um, and I think it'd be even tougher to do that with Draymond. Uh, this is a guy who is the antithesis of Kevin Durant in that Kevin, you know, obviously never said he was going to return to the Warriors. And there was a huge elf in the room, whereas Draymond was always the opposite of that, was saying, I want to be a Warrior the rest of my life. You know, I he understands the value of legacy, um, and, and the Warriors appreciate that. And there's a, there's a mutual love there, and that matters. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. The next question, and I don't want to get too in the weeds with our answer on this, so I want to kind of paint our answer in, in broad strokes, but this is from element underscore Tim. Odds of dubs trading down out of the top five. Now, we could go down that rabbit hole and talk about every single uh, trade exception possibility and, and all those things, but I just want, Wes, I just want your thoughts in general, you know, what, what the odds are and, and what how they change as a, you know, depending on what pick they get, whether or not it's the number one pick or the number five pick. I think the odds of them not picking in the top five are really low. I think that they've done a lot of work on this, and they understand that the value in this draft is very much at the top. And to trade out of it, you're going to need to get a lot of value in return in a way that would probably look like they are swindling the team that they are trading down with. Just, again, because I, I think there's value at the top of this draft. There are going to be good players selected at the top. There's going to be good players selected later in the draft. But for what the Warriors are looking for, for the influx of just pure talent and athleticism, it's going to be really hard to get that the lower you get in the draft. And I think you're only going to be able to take that in the top five. So I just I don't really see a world in which they trade themselves out of the top five completely. Um, odds are slim. They're going to have to get a major offer back because it looks – they also aren't that interested in getting future picks. Like, right. if the Knicks end up – like, the Knicks have a bunch of these uh, picks from the Christoph Spores English trade um, that they could move. I don't see the, I don't see the Warriors but – I, but I don't see the Warriors trading with the Knicks unless it's, like, going up to number one or two for LaMelo Ball, right, if the Knicks just fall in love with LaMelo Ball. Right. So, in that, and if, if that's the case, I don't think the Warriors if, – if the Warriors are sitting there at one or two and the Knicks are sitting there at, like, nine, I just think the Warriors blow them off. But if the Knicks are sitting there at five, then I think they'd have a conversation about it. Yeah, I think it's going to take a much better offer than a lot of people realize for them to trade down, and I honestly don't see that happening. Um, to me, the Knicks are the only team that would make a, a ridiculous offer, but they honestly don't even have that much to offer. I mean, if if they offered like Mitchell Robinson and their pick, to move up into the top three, do you do that? I don't know. I mean, Mitchell Robinson's a good player. He's young, but I don't think I don't think he's ever going to be an All Star caliber guy. Uh, and he's going to have to get paid I, soon too. Exactly, that matters. Um, the so, Knicks have a lot. The Knicks have stuff to trade. They've got the Clippers pick. They've got the Mavericks pick. They've got their own pick. That Mavericks pick's unprotected. Not that that really matters because the Mavericks are going to be like really good, but those aren't the sort of things that the Warriors are looking for. And to your point, they don't really have the players that the Warriors are looking for. Like, do they want Bobby Portis? No, they don't want that guy in their locker room. Um, like, then, like, in that contract of $15 million a year, 
there's, there's other guys on that roster that would work like that. They make sense like a Wayne Ellington or a Frank Nilakina or something like that. That could be like nice depth. But you're not moving out of the top five for that. You know, it's just like I, I just right. I, I don't I don't really I don't see a world in which I think the Warriors would trade back as long as they're in the top five. I don't see them moving out of that top four or five. Yeah, I, I could see them moving from one or two down to five. Um, yeah. Something like that. Uh, you know, I, I think they like Anthony Edwards. I, I think if they could get something back for the number one pick and, and the chance to draft him or, or Ball and go down to five and draft an Okoro or a Halliburton, they would take a strong look at that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, let's say they do get the number one or number two pick, the number one pick is still the number one pick, okay? That is, an, that is a major asset, even in a draft where – there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty at the top. You know, there you know for certain that you're going to have the opportunity to draft someone really good at number one, even in a bad draft. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. And I and you look at the guys that they could p- package with the the trade exception um, to get, and there aren't they aren't as incredible as you might assume. You know, you and I have gone down the list of names before, but like the Rudy Gays of the world, I'm not sure that's going to be enough. So, um, I, to me, use the trade exception just on its own to bring back whatever you can bring back. That's right. Okay, so the next one, we have a, I'm, I'm debating between a few options here because we don't have a ton of time. But I want one thing I wanted to talk about was, was Kevon Looney. So, the next, the next question is, at J7-1, is Looney healthy? He looks great in Houston reruns, but not – not so much the past season. Um, basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of paraphrase this question and ask you, Wes: Is Kevon Looney's career over? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I and by not. that I mean being a, a relevant member of an NBA rotation. He was a nice player. I, I think he was well liked in that locker room. Steve Kerr freaking loved him um, because he's just a no nonsense. He calls him a low maintenance guy. And that's nice. That's great. Um, but so is Glenn Robinson, and they traded him. So I think that there's there's obviously more organizational equity that Kevon Looney has than a guy like Glenn Robinson. But I don't think at this point that you can, if you're the Warriors, confidently factor him into your plans. He is under contract for two more years at $5 million a year. I have. They thought that that was a bargain when they signed him. That's going to be five million dollars that they're going to get off their books, I think, by next year. I just, I, we're not talking about one year of weirdness with Kevon Looney. I need the neuropathic condition, all this stuff, all these like terms that we needed to Google throughout the season. Like all of it's weird, but it's not new as far as like Kevon Looney's been dealing with injuries his entire career. He's always been injury prone, right. and so I don't think you can confidently factor him into your rotation or your plans. You're paying them $5 million a year for the next two years. But when we talk about what the Warriors really need this offseason, I don't think they need one center. I think they need two. Yeah. Kavan is a guy – there's a reason why he didn't have that much of a market value in free agency. Uh, a couple years ago, they thought he was going to get poached in free agency when they decided not to, to match his offer sheet. and They were all worried about that, and that ended up being – not being a concern at all, and they brought him back on the minimum. And then last summer, um, they thought he was going to get these crazy offers because he, he had that nice run in the playoffs. 
But, you know, they brought him back on a, a relatively reasonable three-year, $15 million deal. And I think that just speaks to the fact that teams kind of see through the Warriors effect, if you know what I mean. They they know that a lot of these role guys look good in Golden State, but they go elsewhere and they don't do anything. I mean, how many role players have left Golden State and done anything? Ian Clark's not even in the league anymore. Neither is Brandon Rush. Neither is Mo Spades. Neither is Lander Babosa. Uh, you know, all these guys were solid pieces for the Warriors and then didn't, didn't do anything any, anywhere else because they were utilized perfectly in the Warriors system. And it helps a lot when you have the spacing of Clay Thompson and, and Steph Curry, who happen to be the two best player, best shooters in NBA history. So uh, I think Kavan is a guy who, at his best, is a solid role player in the NBA. I do think we got it a little carried away with how important or 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 helpful he was. Uh, and that might speak to the hyperbole that that Steve had, but we all know Steve is very fond of of a good role guy who has some good games. Um, and so I think that this offseason, which is probably already started, is going to be really important for him. I think it they were probably going to shut him down the rest of the season anyway. But it's nice that he doesn't even need to worry about the routine of of going to the arena and doing all that. He can just try to get in his his work the best he can at home and whatever facility he can find and then try to, you know, we know his work ethic. We know he's going to put in all the work he possibly can this summer to get right and then see how he comes back uh, in the fall. And, and, you know, we're probably going to know within the first couple weeks of the season next year, if where, where his career is going, if he comes back and he looks mm-hmm. bright, he looks right physically, he has a chance to be a really helpful piece again. If he still looks rigid and looks uncomfortable, you know, he might be done. And and by done, I mean as a, a legitimate guy who you feel comfortable playing 25 minutes a night. I think that's exactly right. That's a really good point. I think we're going to know pretty soon what kind of direction Kevon Looney's season is going to go in. Either he's going to be healthy after this extended offseason or he's not going to be. And I say extend – it's a guaranteed extended offseason. Even if the Warriors come back for a handful of regular season games, however this thing plays out, Kevon's not getting on the floor. Like, they're they're shutting it down. I was talking to Kavon's agent the other day. They basically – he's like – Kavon's looking forward to just being shut down for a while and just, like, getting his body back. Because, remember, he couldn't do anything after last year's playoff run because he had the, the chest thing or whatever. So, I, this is going to be his first real offseason in a couple of years, and he's really looking forward to it. And if he can't get healthy and get his body right after this, which will be easily the longest offseason in his career because he came into his into his career NBA career with extended playoffs and finals runs. He's never had an offseason like he's going to have. So if he can't get right after this, th- then it's it's pretty much going to be done, I think. So my last question is uh you know you and I love the draft. We've spent a lot of time talking about the draft and I love talking about the the random you know, off the wall nature of the, this draft in particular. This is from at deep pack underscore narwhal23. What are the Warriors like to, likely to Great do man. with a couple of second round picks this draft? Would, wouldn't wouldn't making them part of their roster make the roster too, too inexperienced? So basically, do you think they're going to keep both these second round picks? And if so, what kind of guys do you think they'll target? I think they're going to sell them. And again, I think they'll end up selling them because, look, I, you make the decision. I, I think you make the decision beforehand that you're going to sell them so you can get some deals in place. But if there's a guy that they're in love with in the second round that just somehow dropped, they'll probably just, you know, blow the deal off and take them. But 
Um, I think I'll, like deal like deals like that are usually commensurate with like, hey, look, as long as there's not like one of our top guys on the on the board when we're picking, we're selling you this for two million dollars or whatever it is. Um, yeah, they're also they're also facing a numbers crunch next season. That's right. And keeping one or both of those second round picks could be the difference between being able to keep Juan Descano Anderson and or uh, Michael Mulder. Um, and I know they do like Descano Anderson and Mulder. I think probably between the two. Two of those guys, Mulder probably has a better chance of making the roster next season. But, um, you know, if, it, if it's between a guy who, you know, was a, a four-year guy in college who, you know, could be have potential of maybe being an okay role player down the line or someone like Michael Mulder, I'd probably lean toward Michael Mulder. Now, I know that uh, technically that late second-round pick would, would end up being a little bit less expensive, and I know – the Warriors need to start thinking about their finances, especially given everything that's happen, happening with the coronavirus. But we're talking about we're not talking about that big of a difference here. I don't think that's going to be a decision-making factor there. Um, no, if anything, but, you'll make more money. You'll make more money by selling it. And you're right. Like you've got all the shutdown, canceling not only games for the Warriors, but a lot of events at Chase Center, which go right into Warriors ownership's pockets. Um, but They've also got this trade exception, this $17.2 million trade exception, which is one of the most expensive um, tools out there in the entire NBA this offseason. And if you're going to use that to its full extent, to its full power, it might be helpful to make an extra 3 or $4 million bucks by selling a couple of second-round picks. You know what I mean? It helps subsidize, again, that, that tool. And I think there's a lot more value and a player who you can get at $16, $17 million to fit under that 17.2 versus a player at like 11 or $12 million. And if that's the way that Bob Myers can sell it to Joe Lakeup and then this ownership group, then maybe that's the way you do it. Um, it it's all sort of an opportunity cost. Like you don't want to use second round picks and then just cut them in training camp if otherwise you can use it to go out and get a better player with a trade exception or just help out your owner's pockets uh, is frankly not a bad way to use those picks versus just a training camp invite and cut before the regular season. The way the way the second round works is it, it, it's incredibly fluid, right? So we look at all the mock drafts, and, and I always laugh when I look at the second round mock drafts because they don't mean anything because they're incredibly fluid. A lot of a lot of teams use them for draft and stash guys. You always see more international guys taken in the second round than the mock drafts would suggest. Um, and so, generally speaking, if you have a guy in the second round that you really want, you need to make it a point to try to buy into the early part of the second round. And, and it, very rarely are you going to get a guy late in the second round that you genuinely wanted and, and were eyeing. Because if you really wanted him, you would have found a way to get into the early part of the second round. Historically speaking, there is very little value late in the second round. They're not going to just sit around and wait to the end of the second round and just hope – that some guy they really like falls. If, if they if they really like someone, they're going to find a way to get him earlier. Um, and, you know, one thing Bob Myers has shown is if they're going to use a second-round pick, they're going to – it's going to be a guy that they're confident is going to make the team. You know, they, they signed Eric Paschal to a three-year guaranteed deal within days of the draft because they knew without a, without a doubt that he was going to be a factor of their future plans. You know, a lot of teams don't do that. Um, so that all suffice to say, I think the odds of them holding on to one or both of these sec these 
late second round picks is very low. Yeah, and if they do use it, I mean, you you hit on a good point there. It'll probably be on an international draft and stash guy, right? That you don't have to bring onto the roster. You're not worrying about the numbers crunch. You're not worried about the player's salary. And you just got somebody, you got an asset stashed overseas or, or potentially a player who can develop overseas. Maybe it might and be an Allen Smiley type or something. There's a handful of guys like who very well might not get drafted or will be late second round guys who would be would fit the bill for that type of thing, who might have NBA potential, but they're still a couple years away. It would be worth uh, using that type of flyer on. So I think you make a really good point. Um, Wes. Always fun having you, and this is true as always. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's good to hear a familiar voice, man. I, I've barely gotten out of the apartment the past few days, so I'm glad I'm glad you're staying safe. Yeah, same thing, same thing, man. Good to hear from you. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. It's always great picking his brain. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 